0: As most of you guys know, uh, the Franklins, sadly, will be moving in a month or two, a couple months by now, so we're very sad. Um, But we're also excited at the same time. They're moving to Tennessee to pursue other ministries, uh, and it is for the same kingdom. And so we're excited to see how God's going to be using them out there in Tennessee. So a little while back, uh, Jim asked me if he could... Uh, preach one last time at TYG and just share a little bit, I believe, of of the ministry uh, that they're going to be partnering with. And I said, yes, absolutely. Um, If you guys went to summer camp last year, you know what a blessing it is uh, to have Jim uh, bring God's word to us. And so uh, I'm very excited for him to be here tonight, Uh, but I don't want to steal any more of his time. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest speaker, Jim Franklin.
1: Hey guys, it's good to be with you all tonight, so as Luke said, we're getting ready to move in a couple months to join a missions agency that helps uh, high school and college students get involved in world missions, and so tonight, um, instead of trying to talk you into being a missionary, Uh, which may or may not be God's will for your life. What I'd like to do is just challenge you um, with Apostle Paul's life uh, to just ask yourself the question, am I thinking correctly when it comes to answering the big question of what I want to do with my life? So let's go ahead and pray one last time, and then we'll jump into, we'll be in the book of Philippians. But we'll go ahead and pray before we get started. Father in heaven, I pray tonight that you would bless your word, that you would um, speak to us. Lord, help us to understand your word. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would apply it to our lives, that we would seek to honor Christ above everything else we do. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. How do you typically respond when someone asks you what you want to do with your life? Now, I do realize there are some older people here probably doing what they want to do with their life or at least pursuing a career, but many of you are still in junior high and high school and you probably get the question from time to time. Hopefully you've actually thought about the question, what you want to do with your life, Uh, When I was your age, I went through different goals and different ideas about what I wanted to do with my life. Um, But as as you think about that, hopefully you have some desire to do something important with your life. Have you thought about that a little bit? Do you want to do something important with your life? Or do you just want to, well, maybe important to you is just having fun, right? (laughs) Maybe just have a good life. Um... Have you thought about that, that uh, what if God asked you the question, right? We get asked a question by our parents a lot or our friends, especially you get close to your senior year, you know, what are you going to do after you graduate, all those kind of questions, um, and as we think about those things, how would you answer, or how do you think you would answer, or how do you think you should answer if God the Father were to ask you, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, as you think about that, deciding what you're going to do with your life, the main thing is not, you know, picking a great career, right? Making lots of money. Uh, those things really don't matter. Uh, doing good things for people or doing terrible things for people. In the end, that doesn't, that's not really the main thing. Um, you could want to have a really great career, and make lots of money, or you could desire to uh, flip cheeseburgers at McDonald's. That was always a low totem pole when I was in high school. If you couldn't do anything else, you would flip cheeseburgers. It wasn't a highly sought after job. Uh, But as we think about this, what is the main thing that we should consider when deciding what we want to do with our life? Apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, he has a main conviction that he lives his whole life by. And that is Philippians 1, verse 21. Somebody want to read that for us nice and loud? Philippians 1, verse 21. You guys see that here? Can. Okay. Someone read that. Go ahead. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So that was really what you could wrap up Paul's main conviction in life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That seems a little radical, right? What does he mean by it? To live is Christ. For him to really live, for him to really accomplish something great with his life, uh, he says, for me to live is Christ. For me to really accomplish something great with my life is to promote who Christ is. That's how you could sum it up. But he's even more radical in that. In the pursuit of that, he says uh, that he's even willing to risk his life to promote the cause of Christ because to Paul, to die is gain. To die for Paul is actually better than to be alive. That's kind of radical, right? And so think through that for yourself a little bit. What does that mean for you? To be alive, Paul says, the highest goal that a human being could have with their life is to promote Christ, even to the extent that they're willing to risk death because really, to the Christian, death is better than being alive. That's that's really radical, right? Have you thought about that? Now, I'm not saying go out and attempt to die. That is never God's plan. Uh, but Christ to Paul is so worth living for that he is willing to die. And right now, Paul is in prison as he writes this. He doesn't know whether He's going to uh, they're going to condemn him and execute him or whether he is going to be free and be able to Live for Christ and promote the cause of Christ. So just to put it in his context, what does he mean to for me to live as Christ? What are some things we could take away from what he means by that? Look back with me at verse 12. As Paul is in prison, uh, as he's leading up to this big statement for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he says... To the Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, right? What has happened to him? He's in prison. He was arrested in Jerusalem. He was thrown in prison. He was taken on a ship all the way to Rome, and he's still chained to Roman guards. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, right? That's Paul's main concern. So we have to. That's what he means by to me to live is Christ. That through my life, the gospel or the good news about what Jesus has done for sinners is being advanced. And he goes on, he says, so that the result of this, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul really can say that His circumstances in life have resulted in the gospel being known. Even, uh, he says, throughout the whole imperial guard. If memory serves me correct, I'm a little tired tonight. The imperial guard was like Caesar's personal uh, bodyguards. If you were an important um, prisoner, then you uh, you weren't in dungeon. You got um, really chained to one of his imperial guards. And so Paul says uh, that... Because this has happened to him, what is he doing with this? Is he complaining about it? He's saying, no, for me to live is Christ. And so what I'm actually doing is they rotate guards through me as I'm making sure every guard knows, oh, why are you here? Well, let me tell you why I'm here. I'm here for the cause of Christ because I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that people can get saved through Him. And that's why I was arrested. That's why I'm here. And so... Um, leading up to this big statement for me to live as Christ is that Paul says, uh, my circumstances have actually turned out for me having the possibility to share the gospel with all these uh, guards. As he goes on, um, he says in verse 14, and most of the brothers, right, most of the other Christians in the area, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so for Paul to live to honor Christ is not only for him to share the gospel and for people to know about the gospel through him, but for him to also encourage other Christians to do the same thing. And then he goes on in verse 15. He says, "...some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry." But others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put there, put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And so for the Apostle Paul, it wasn't all about. Him, right, his goal wasn't to be a free man and to be able to enjoy life. His highest goal was no matter what, uh, that God would use him to be able to speak the truth of the gospel and to encourage other people to do the same. Even if it meant people making fun of him, uh, whatever that was, Paul was just happy that the news and the truth of the gospel was getting out. Now, to live is Christ, right, means more than that, though, in chapter 1, right? To live is Christ uh, doesn't just mean that you talk about the gospel. It doesn't just mean that you encourage other people to talk about the gospel. But it means the way you do your life, the way you live, the decisions you make, the decisions a Christian make should reflect how important Christ is to them. And so to the Philippians, even in chapter 1, if we just fill out this idea, what does it mean to live is Christ? What does it encompass to really promote the gospel? Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 3 to these Christians, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. For you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so part of living for Christ is also partnering with people to help them share the gospel. And so to live as Christ, I believe what Paul would say, for me to live as Christ, the reason he's writing this letter is because the Philippians also had that same Conviction, and they f- were fulfilling that by helping the Apostle Paul and supporting him to share the Gospel. But if you look over at the end of chapter 1, Philippians 1, verse 27, which is the title of the message today, comes from this verse. The Apostle Paul encourages the Philippians. And he doesn't say, just go out there and... Tell as many people as you can about the good news of Jesus. What does he tell them? He says, only let your manner of life. What is a manner of life? Anybody want to answer that for us? What's a man what does Paul mean by manner of life? Anybody got an idea? It's not too complicated. Yes. How he lives. How he lives his life, right? Okay, that's perfect. That's it. That's all I'm looking for. Good. In this case, the right answer is not necessarily Jesus. (laughs) How you live your life, right? He says, only let your manner of life, right? What you do with your life every day. Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let it be worthy. Let it line up. Let it match, right? Something that's worthy, right? Lines up. It rises to the occasion. Let your life rise to the occasion. Let it be worthy. Let it reflect the truth that you really do believe the gospel of Christ. And so if we think about that, to live as Christ doesn't just mean that you speak the gospel, but it means that every day you are considering what, what? How am I going to make decisions? With what attitude am I going to take to the events of the day? Whether that's, you know, what are you guys doing every day? Going to school every day, uh, getting up and listening to your parents. Whatever it is, uh, some of you probably have jobs, I would imagine. Um, you know, some of you are probably looking at your phones, I would imagine too. Um, what the Apostle Paul would saying, hey, to live is Christ. How does that apply to me? Uh, whatever you're doing, do it in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, that rises to the occasion, that matches what you say you believe. That is Paul's conviction. Now consider, though, to die is gain. That's pretty crazy, right? To die is gain. Now, how would you apply that to... Uh, walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. um, That's pretty intense, right? Who's willing to take a risk that could result in their death? Or who's willing to take a risk that could harm them in some other way um, for the cause of Christ? That takes more than just, oh, this is going to be fun, right? It takes a different kind of mindset and The Apostle Paul gives us his mindset. He's encouraging the Philippians to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And look what he tells them over in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you belong to Christ, this mindset belongs to you. So if you're here and you believe in Jesus, this mindset belongs to you. And what is this mindset? Uh, really, this mindset is imitating Christ in some way. And the first way we imitate Christ is in His humility. He says, have this mindset which belongs to you in Christ. It says, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Or some would say there to... He didn't use his authority as God, his position as God, uh, simply for his own advantage, but he used it for what would be best for others. And as Paul goes on, he said, what did Jesus do then? He says, but he made himself <clears throat> uh, nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death uh, on the cross. And so first thing Apostle Paul says is that to really arrive at this mindset to where you're okay with really living your life and taking a risk and really believing that it's okay to uh, actually hold that viewpoint. That for me to die is gain. You have to understand something, and you have to understand and be willing to imitate Christ. And what did Christ do? He humbled himself. He did, he lived his life in a way that was best for others, not necessarily uh, best for him in the short term, right? Now, this is not the end of the story, though, right? Because uh, for the Apostle Paul to really live by this motto, there has to be something else, right? Not just imitating Christ in his death, but Christ didn't come just to die, and that wasn't, his, that wasn't what caused him to do that. What caused him to do that is because uh, he had something waiting for him on the other side of the cross. So if you read on, I believe when the Apostle Paul says, have this mindset which is yours in Christ, he's not just thinking, okay, sacrifice yourself and die. End of story. He's like, no, live for a greater cause in the end that causes you to realize that sacrificing your life now is really not that big of a deal compared to what you're going to get in the end. Is everyone tracking with me a little bit? And what did Christ get in the end? The Apostle Paul goes on. What did Christ uh, get? Verse 9, because Christ humbled himself, because he became a man because he died for us on the cross. It says here, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So the mindset we're to have, the mindset that Christ had is that He was willing to sacrifice Himself because He knew that God the Father was going to exalt Him and bestow on Him a name. And what was the name? I think the name probably was that Jesus is Lord. And what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? It means that He is the King of the universe. God the Father, when He raised Jesus from the dead, bestowed on Him really the name Lord, the rightful ruler of the universe. And so think about that. How would that apply to us a little bit? If we're to have this mindset which is ours in Christ Jesus, to have this mindset would mean uh, to really follow Christ and understand that whatever we give up now will be really uh, nothing compared to what we're going to have with Christ in the end. So what does Christ have? What is, what is the end of the world? What is all? How is it all, uh, all going to end? The whole world is going to end with every knee bowing to Christ. Christ will be seen as the Lord, as the King, as the glorious one, and every knee is going to bow to Him. And not just every knee is going to bow to Him, But for the Christian, what does it mean for us to have this mindset? Uh, What it means is that if we put all of our hope in Christ, if we've completely sold out to living for Him, what it means for us is that we're also going to share in that glory with Christ. Really, this is a picture of a king, right? Uh, Who sacrificed himself, who rose from the dead... And because of that, he has really gained the right to rule and to be honored above every person in the universe. He has the right now for every single person in the universe to bow before him, to bow down. Uh, in a sense, as, as some other, uh, like the Psalms would say, to they're going to kiss his feet. They're going to show him homage. He's going to receive praise and honor and glory from every single being in the universe. And for the Christian to have that mindset, is to have really that same idea, uh, be willing to follow Christ now because we know in the end uh, the only thing that's going to matter when we stand before Christ someday is uh, did we live our life for him, for his honor. Nothing else is going to matter in the end. Now, as Apostle Paul goes on, he really carries this same theme into chapter 3 with another one of his statements. Would someone like to read that for us? Uh, Philippians 3 7 through 9.
0: But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I like touch everything as lost because of the surpassing work of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes
1: from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So if we're gonna have this mindset that the Apostle Paul had, right? If we're going to um, if we're going to really adopt this conviction that to live is Christ and to, if, even if we die, it's actually going to be gain. If we're going to have that conviction and we're going to have the mindset that we're willing to follow Christ to the cross because we know in the end that we're going to share in glory with him, Uh, then Christ has to be more than just a king. He has to be a treasure. And so to the Apostle Paul, uh, to really take on this conviction, Christ can't just be a king. He has to be our king. To the Apostle Paul, he valued Christ above everything else. And so that means if we're going to think back if we're going to live right, our life in a manner worthy of the gospel, if we're going to take on this mindset to live as Christ, to die as gain, then we need to also ask ourselves when we're making life's decisions, is Christ my treasure and am I showing that by the decisions I'm making every day? Am I showing that in a big sense by the decision I'm making of how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. To the Apostle Paul, he says, right, that he counts everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. And notice what he says, my Lord. Um, He says, so Christ here, the Apostle Paul is saying that Christ isn't just a Lord to him, he's actually my Lord. What that means is the king has selected him, the Apostle Paul, to be his servant. And what does that mean to him? That means to him, what is the most important thing about that to the Apostle Paul? He says, not uh, having a righteousness of my own, right, that comes from my own good works, but having a righteousness that is been given to me by Christ. And so what would that mean for us today? How would we apply that? Um, I would... If we're going to adopt this mindset for us to live as Christ, if Christ is really going to be the most important thing to us, uh, then we have to really adopt the mindset that only God's opinion of us matters. So think about that for a second. Are we living a manner in a, a lifestyle that is worthy of the gospel? To the Apostle Paul. Part of his answer to that, or figuring out or determining if he's doing that, uh, the Apostle Paul would ask us to ask ourselves, whose opinion are we most concerned about? Are we most concerned about what our friends think of us? Or are we most concerned about uh, maybe um, what Luke thinks about you? (laughs) Uh, um, You know, maybe... uh, the people who pick on you at school, or are you most concerned about what they think about you? The apostle Paul says that he has counted everything else in the world to be rubbish or, uh, to put it politely, what you would flush down the toilet. He considers compared to what? Compared to the righteousness of Christ, he considers everybody else's opinion... What they say about him, the bad jokes they make. Remember, people were teasing him back in chapter one. They were saying this guy's in prison, this guy's a loser, you know. Um, and so for us, what did Apostle Paul say there? He said, "Hey, I don't care if they're preaching the truth of the gospel and they're making fun of me in the process. I really don't care as long as Christ is honored." But where does that mindset really uh, ground itself in? Uh, when you show up to school and people are, you know, somebody's going to just say you're ugly or something else or you drive an ugly car or whatever it is. Uh, you know, when you're controlled, you know, what are you going to do? Does it really matter what your friends think about you? Is it really matter to you that, uh, you know, you have to act like you're going to pay attention and laugh at bad jokes? Does it really matter? Because if you don't Act the right way. If you don't wear the right thing, if you're not pretty enough, if you don't meet up to everybody's expectations, it's going to be a terrible day. Uh, That's not really living worthy of gospel. But how are you going to arrive at that place where you can say, the only thing that matters to me is walking worthy of the gospel? We have to arrive where Apostle Paul said. He said everything else compared to... Having this righteous standing before God that is given to me, it's not earned. I count everything else, everybody else's opinion, anything I could accomplish on my own, I count it all to be rubbish compared to having this right standing. And why do I put it this way? Because really, why should we desire a right standing? Because that's how God looks at us, right? What does it mean to be saved? It means to be uh, justified, to be declared righteous, to have Christ's righteousness given to us. And so if we're going to adopt this standard, the most important thing to us has to be what God's opinion is, not what anybody else's opinion is. Does that make sense a little bit? Hopefully I'm not losing my mind yet. Okay. So if we're going to live a manner worthy of the gospel, at the heart of that is valuing what God thinks about us more than what anybody else thinks about us. And what is God most concerned about? God is most concerned about whether you're perfect or not. That's what God's most concerned about. It's a pretty high standard, right? And yet... The Apostle Paul says that's why Christ is so valuable to him because he doesn't have to measure up on his own to what God thinks about him. He's not like our friends. He's not like the people who pick on us. He's not like anyone who makes fun of me. He's a God who through his son Jesus offers by faith, not by works, a perfect right standing to where... The most important being in the universe will look on us as Christians and say, You are perfect. I love you forever. That's a, pretty, uh, that's a pretty good thing. When the most important being in the universe looks at you and says, You're perfect and I love you forever. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because in Christ you have perfection. You have righteousness. And so for the Apostle Paul, this is where he, where the ground, where it's solid, that he stands on, where he's able to say everything else is rubbish, it's dumb, compared to what I have in Christ. And if Christ is that valuable to him, then he's worth living for, he's worth even dying for. Luke kind of cut me down short on time today, but... That's good. <laughs> I'm almost done. Um, to the Apostle Paul, right? Christ, he says, is my Lord. That's, he says, everything else is rubbish, right? Every other relationship compared to Christ is meaningless if Christ is my Lord. In life though we have to weigh some other things though. We we have decisions to make, right? The apostle Paul started off chapter three, you know, talking about the people who are living according to the law, right? He said, You know what? I tried to live according to the law. Um, I did my best, right? <laughs> I was one of the best people who tried to keep the law, tried to do good works. So maybe. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're a good being a good person because you think that, you know, you don't want people to think bad about you. Maybe you want to make your parents proud. Uh, maybe you, uh, maybe you don't want to tell your friends that, um, you know, you really don't want to be here. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just here not because uh, to hear the word. Maybe you're just here because of peer pressure. Maybe you're. Maybe you're acting spiritual uh, for the wrong reasons. All those things could factor in to what the Apostle Paul says is rubbish, right? It's worthless compared to Christ. Anything good that you could attempt to do, whether it's in the eyes of people uh, to really get their approval, is rubbish compared to the perfect standing you can have in Christ. And so maybe you're here today, and I don't want to overlook this. Maybe you're here today, and you feel pressure to live up to a standard because everyone else around you is uh, at least saying that they're pursuing this. And so you're doing it to try to meet their standard. Uh, But the thing is, the Apostle Paul would tell us that's not going to end in a good place, right? All that, all of your own efforts to do it, whether whatever you're doing it for is rubbish compared to Christ. And so the Apostle Paul would tell us he counts everything to be lost compared to Christ, even his own abilities to be a good person. As Apostle Paul goes on, though, he's going to, if you look down with me at verse 18 and 19, someone want to read that out for us loud? one of the last verses we're going to read as we wrap this up, last chance. Philippians 3, 18 through 19.
0: For many uh, of whom I have told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things.
1: Right, so some Other things that would be rubbish compared to Christ, the Apostle Paul categorizes here as uh, these people who are walking as enemies of the cross of Christ, right? So that wouldn't be walking worthy of the gospel, right? And how does he categorize these things? Um, he says their God is their belly and their glory and they glory in their shame. Now, I don't want to unpack all that, but uh, every day we have decisions to make. right? And is, are we going to live for Christ or are we going to be like some who's he says their God is their belly? What does that mean? Right there. God is their belly. They worship uh It could be literally maybe food here, right? Maybe it is food. But they worship or desire uh, in a way that is bad. We should desire God, but they desire uh, something that they can do with their body in the place of God. They elevate this as the main thing they worship, the main thing they desire. And he says it's their Belly. So I don't know, I'll let you guys kind of discuss that in your discussion groups, mainly. But it, I would say their belly would be just, in a sense, a, a figure of speech describing something that you desire with your body instead of God. When you should desire God, you put this in the place of God and you worship it and you desire it. He says uh, they also glory in their shame. It's whatever this is. It's shameful, right? <laughs> this, you know, uh, you can fill anything in the blank there. If it's shameful, if the Bible describes it as shameful, he says these people are glorying in their shame. They're taking delight. They're taking pleasure in living for something in this life now instead of living for Christ. Uh, but what is their end? Apostle Paul, if we're going to arrive at this status of, of um, to live as Christ and to die as gain, to have this mindset that Christ had when he humbled himself because he knew that he was going to be exalted, if we're going to follow in his footsteps, then we have to be smart, right? We have to make a good decision here. Apostle Paul said, "What is the end of this?" He says, um, "These people," he said, "I often told you and tell you, even with tears." They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says their end is destruction. Right? And so, for the Apostle Paul, this is an easy decision for him. Do you want to end in destruction? Or do you want to end in receiving glory with Christ? Being exalted and sharing in His glory in the end. Because that's what he goes on to say, right? Uh, He contrasts. Christians to these people who glory in their shame, that's, what they're lo- that's where they're looking for glory. He says, but as Christians, we are taking on a different mindset because we know what's going to actually happen in the end. In the end, we know that Christ is going to be exalted. And if we stay true to Him, if we believe the gospel, if the most important thing to us is the righteousness that Christ gives to us, not trying to just look good in front of other people, we know that in the end we will be glorified with Christ. And so he contrasts Christians to those people. Uh, he says their mind is set their mind is set on earthly things, right? That's that's their mindset. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. By and notice this. He brings in Christ, the fact that He's the exalted Lord. And He says, by the power, how is He going to change our bodies in the end to be glorified like Himself? He says, by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Remember in the end, right? It says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, As Christians, our hope is, and Why we live our life the way we do is because we know that in the end Christ will uh, be exalted and every knee is going to bow to him. And Apostle Paul says, guess what? The same power that Christ has, the power that is going to give him the ability to uh, really have everybody in the whole world bow at his feet and confess him as Lord. By that same power, he's going to use that same power to change us. And make us like himself in the end. So with that we're going to wrap up. I'm one minute over. Sorry. If you do want more information about the ministry. uh, Feel free to ask me. But um, should I go ahead and pray for us. And then you guys are going to break up in your discussion groups. Okay. Father in heaven I pray you bless. Each of us here tonight, Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would help us to see God in heaven, that only your opinion of us matters. Lord, help us to value Christ, to see that in the end that we will have fullness of joy in Christ. As Apostle Paul says here in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. Christ is our treasure, Lord. Pray you bless each of us here, Lord, as we discuss this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Jim. All right, guys, go ahead and go into your discussion groups.